Well, I have the privilege of uh, sitting down today with Carol Bross, and Carol is a longtime uh, member here at Calvary and uh, just has an interesting um, uh, spiritual life, at least very interesting to me anyway, and I, and I, I think it will be interesting to all of you uh, as well. So she's agreed to come in and sit down today and just kind of talk through a little bit of, um, of her journey, and uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, you all will be um, very blessed by this interaction, I hope. Uh, Carol, you have, a, well, it's a unique approach. It's a unique journey, I think, and it involves uh, something that is probably not known to a lot of folks in our tradition, but it's uh, something called an oblate, and you've been um, kind of uh, preparing and and kind of stepped into that uh, kind of spiritual experience. Would you tell us just a little bit about what that what that is and how you came to that? Yeah. Um, sometime my quick and easy answer for what is an oblate, and it, it's way yeah. too quick and way too easy, but sort of an associate member of a given monastery. Yeah. Um, I actually have something that I printed out from their website that describes it a little better. The monastery I'm associated with is Holy Wisdom Monastery, which is near Madison, Wisconsin. And it says, the Oblates of Holy Wisdom Monastery is an intentional ecumenical community of women and men rooted in various faith traditions. They find the rule of Benedict a practical spirituality. And there's a little more than that. I won't go into all that. But... You probably wonder, well, how on earth did this happen? Yeah. (laughs) So um, to go back a bit, it started many years ago. I think I first became intrigued with Benedictine life Mm -hmm. when I read a book by Kathleen Norris sometime over 20 years ago. Uh And she she has written a number of books and at some point in her life moved from Manhattan back to her family home in um, one of the Dakotas. And became very involved with a monastery. Yeah. So this intrigued me. Yeah. And a few years after I had read a couple of her books, I had kind of a major event in my life where I lost a job that I had had many years. I was mm-hmm. pretty bummed out. Yeah. I had seen a couple of little ads for Holy Wisdom Monastery and Sojourner's Magazine. Uh-huh. And I thought, mm, maybe um, somebody who was giving me good advice during this period of life, said, Carol, you have some time on your hands. Make a list of all the things you've wanted to do, haven't done, do them. Mm-hmm. So I went on a retreat at the monastery. Yeah. And that was the start of an annual journey. I would go up at least once a year for a personal retreat mm-hmm. um, for many years. I think the first time I went was 2001 and continued, like I said, at least once a year for a long time. Mm-hmm. I became acquainted with what oblates were, but always thought, well, I don't have time to do that. I can't do that. It's too far, da-da-da-da. And I think it was after my mom died, which was six years ago, and during her waning years, it really would have been hard, but all of a sudden, I had no excuses. And at some point, I made the comment to Larry, what would you think if I looked into becoming an oblate? And his answer to me was, I wondered when you were going to get around to it. So <laughs> I looked into it that very day. Yeah. Um, that would have been four years ago mm-hmm. and began a process of what they call formation. Mm-hmm. So for that first year, I had five required retreats. Mm-hmm. I had required reading. 
And this all culminated with the writing of a personal rule Mm -hmm. and making a promise. It's not called a vow, but a promise to become an oblate of Uh that monastery. So since then, I have continued that association. Um, I try to get up there at least three times a year. There are Mm -hmm. five oblate retreats a year, but I try to make it at least three. Three times, sure. And... um, yeah, that's yeah. where that stands, yeah. and I am still doing this. So, right. You know, most people, I think, when they think of monasteries, I mean, they think of monks and, and nuns, and they think of, uh, you know, kind of a, what we call a cloistered life. So they, you know, they stay on the monastery. It's a full-time kind of vocation that's usually for single people. Um, but when you speak about your monastic experience, you are speaking as a person who's uh, not there at the at the monastery all the time. You're certainly still married, I think. <laughs> you know, Was this morning <laughs> once, when you check last? Yeah. Um, so h- how does that how does that work? How okay. does that you know? Um, every monastery is different. I mm-hmm. I read lately. I think there are over fifteen hundred Benedictine monasteries, and mm-hmm. those are the only ones I know anything about. There yeah. are so many other orders. Sure. But um, from what I've gathered, they are all very different. The holy wisdom the one I've become associated with, is quite different in as much as it's ecumenical. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the sisters is actually an ordained Presbyterian minister. Oh, really? Wow. And it is a women's monastery. Uh-huh. So we're talking sisters instead of, of right. monks. Um, the sisters' community is small. You mm-hmm. know, there's not a huge demand to go live that life. Yeah. But it's not isolated. They right. they are amazing women, yeah. um, very active, very involved. In fact, they just won an award. They went to Columbia, the, mm-hmm. the country. The country. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to accept this award for their um, Oh, their efforts in care of the earth. Yeah. Um, wow. they've, they've been very active and all that. Mm-hmm. When they when they built a new monastery building several years ago, it was ranked, I believe, as the the second most green building in the United States as far wow. as their efforts to to run it um, responsibly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they have gorgeous grounds. Um, you know, wonderful place to go and retreat. I think yeah. it's like four miles of walking trails. And, wow. And really neat. So anyway, they call themselves the community of communities. Mm -hmm. And so the sisters community is primary. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are currently three professed sisters, one who just made her first vows, and Mm -hmm. a novice. Yeah. So, and they are a mixture of religious backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Then they have a worshiping community Mm -hmm. um, called Sunday Assembly. And it's basically like a church. Yeah. And with members from throughout the Madison area. Right. I think a lot of disaffected Catholics, maybe sure. from the university community. Yeah. Um, so that's it. And then there's the Oblate community, mm-hmm. which are people like myself, although most of them, and I don't know the numbers, I would guess two thirds at least are. In the greater Madison area, you mm-hmm. know, within a, a half hour, forty-five minute drive, mm-hmm. but there's are those so those of us that are scattered around. Yeah, a little wider circle there. Yeah. yeah, and so the expectations are different, and you know, I did a lot of conversation with one of the sisters before I took this step, and of course, they understand I can't be there as often as the ones in the neighborhood, right. and that's fine. Sure, very flexible. Yeah. Very, very flexible. Yeah. 
Now you mentioned in um, in your description uh, both of the of the monastery and of your your process uh, this concept of a of a rule um, yeah. for living. Uh, could you could you tell us just a little bit about um, as far as you know the the rule what that what that is in the life of the monastic community and then how that extends to you as okay. an oblate and how sure. you wrote your own you mentioned writing your own rule and, yeah yeah. I can't speak to the rule in monastic communities at large because I haven't had that experience. Sure. But the rule of Benedict, mm-hmm. which applies to all Benedictine monasteries, right. is just classic. I mean, St. Benedict lived in this, or began this movement in the sixth century mm-hmm. and um, wrote this rule to establish the community, to make the community function successfully. So it's a rule for individuals as far as their own spiritual lives. Uh It's a rule for community, for living together in a harmonious way. Um, I read somewhere that it's a wonderful uh, management guideline just because of the way it's structured, that if if most managers would follow that, they'd be a lot more successful. Right. Yeah, we're not talking about something that's so removed from our 21st century life that it's unimportant. And you look at some of it now, and life has changed in, what, 15, 16 centuries. But, um, yeah, there's a lot that's still applicable, very much. And a lot of resources on that. Like I said, during mm-hmm. my year of formation, uh, we had some required reading, most of it written by Sister Joan Chittister, who is a prolific author. Uh-huh. And she does a wonderful job of taking that rule and translating it to life here and now. Yeah. Um, so that that's a little bit about the rule in general, mm-hmm. specifically Part of my requirement when I was working on this formation year was before I'd made my promise um, to write my own role Mm -hmm. based on what I had learned during the year. And there were seven people in my formation group, and we all took a very different approach to it. Um, I I think I told you, Isaac, in a previous conversation, one fellow who was currently working on an MBA did a flow chart. Yeah. Another lady who is very artistic and accomplished musician wrote a song. Yeah. Mine is a little more mundane. I took prime Benedictine values mm-hmm. and then worked my own goals that fall in those headings. Yeah. And I think I will share just a little bit of that, yeah, I'd love to, hear uh, that. to give you an idea. I'm not going to share the personal parts, but sure, just, no, just the broad right. parts. Yeah. The, the values that I took were listening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, listening is important for everyone. And I, th- I think I first encountered this here at Calvary when I went through Stephen ministry training oh. any number of years ago. Yeah. But in, in the listening here, the phrase that pops up again and again is listening with the ear of the heart. Right. And yeah. that's pretty much what it says. Mm-hmm. So I, I made some goals for myself under the heading of listening. Mm-hmm. Prayer. Yeah. Prayer is essential in the monastic communities. Um, just really, that it's all grounded in prayer. Right. And the liturgy of the hours, which is a very liturgical, ritualized time of prayer. Uh, when I go to the monastery, it's held three times a day. Uh-huh. Uh, there are also two sessions a day of centering prayer. Yeah. Um, 
it really grounds it. So I had to include prayer in there some way. I don't demand right. quite that much of myself. But I try to stick yeah. to an agenda. Right. And um, yeah, so prayer is yeah. part of it. Hospitality is huge in the Benedictine community. Yes. They see every visitor as Christ. Right. And um and it's very true. I mean, the yeah. the the Benedictine communities that I've interacted with, uh, they are Welcoming. the most hospitable people I, I think I've ever met. Yeah, and it's really you know, I, people are always a little bit of afraid to I think step into a monastic community for the for the first time. They you know they they see it as very other and separate from the world, and that that's so not true. Uh, they are the most exactly hospitable people. If they're very core being is about hospitality. So, I think I yeah. need to interview you and ask yeah. about your experiences, but we won't turn, do that today. We're not turning the tables just yet. <laughs> we won't do that today. But so hospitality um, goes so beyond just inviting friends over for dinner, right? which can be part of it. Sure. But um, so to apply that locally, things like... Um, Oh, in the church, when we have opportunities to provide meals for people that are facing mm-hmm. problems or funeral meals or what have you, right. that's a manifestation of hospitality. Mm-hmm. One of the best books that I've read during this time is called Radical Hospitality yeah. and subtitled Benedict's Way of Love, right. and great book. Yeah. And it focuses more on sharing of yourself in different ways Yeah, and for... Uh, lifelong introvert and I have worked hard at extroverting yeah. but I'm an introvert so that's that's a challenge and it's really a good challenge to come yeah. out of myself and not be so afraid of interacting with people right which is why I'm here right yes and I was gonna say <laughs> yeah. I thank you for that <laughs> so hospitality is one next one just because it is such a focus at holy wisdom is care of the earth oh, right and I'm not a gardener but mm-hmm. So that's not my care of the earth. But things like recycling, mm-hmm. um, contributing monetarily to organizations that foster care of the earth. Right. You know, um, yeah, things like that. Yep. Moderation is a Benedictine value. Yeah. And so, oh, a big thing there for me is recognizing enough. You know, we sometimes yeah. want too much. Most of us are blessed not to have too little, but to cherish having enough Enough. and know what to cling to, what to get rid of. Um, Moderation. Sure. Pretty important. Community. It was the the next value that I embraced in my personal rule. And there I'll read just a little bit because of where we are and what we're doing. Yep. I said, my primary faith community is still Calvary United Methodist Church in Mm -hmm. Normal, Illinois, specifically two small groups under its umbrella that keep me grounded. I will continue to regularly cherish the blessings of that larger community as well. And then in making this promise, I acknowledge my other faith community became the Oblate Community of Holy Wisdom Monastery. and I went and qualified there, what I could and could not do as sure. a part of that community. Yeah. So community is a big part of mm-hmm. it. And community is just so essential to the whole Benedictine philosophy. Right. Very much about community. Another concept is stability. And that gets a little more complicated for me. Uh-huh. Um, 
How so? I think trying to figure out how this applies to me. So there, maybe I will share just a little bit. I said, I won't make commitments that I don't believe I can honor, whether they be to myself, the oblate community, my family, my friends, my service in voluntary capacities. But when I do make commitments, I'll honor them. Yeah. So that's a reflection of of stability, or my goal. You know, I don't want to sound like St. Carol here, because I'm not. (laughs) But it it reflects my goal, which is a lot of what this personal rule is. It's, yeah, I I don't keep it, but I try. I keep it in the back of my mind. Well, that's an interesting way to to speak about stability. I think that's really kind of a fresh way to to talk about that. That It's very insightful. And I think another thing is I have a tendency to jump into something before I've completed something else that should be completed. Right. I've done this forever. Yeah. And yeah. so to be more mindful of that, yeah. to try to finish something before I start something else. Right. And there right. too, that, that's a work in progress. Yeah. Um, an interesting monastic concept that sort of relates to this stability is what's mm-hmm. called stasio. It's S-T-A-T-I-O. Uh-huh. And it's you finish doing something. Before you jump into the next activity, just take 30 seconds, take a minute mm-hmm. of quiet, yeah. a pause, going from one thing to another. Right. So these are the, the sort of things that reflect stability. Mm-hmm. Um, my eighth value, part of my promise, uh-huh. was obedience and conversion. And there it's trying to to listen again listen to various beliefs and opinions without mm-hmm. passing judgment unnecessarily yeah. being open to different ideas right and that's just part of successful living yeah you know? especially but, in these times that's yeah. very much very but, very yeah, to need, make an intentional yeah an intentional effort yeah um work I'm blessedly retired, so that that takes on a new thing. But yeah, well, work is a, a big part of the Benedictine value. It is, and how do you? Yeah, how does that fit into your personal? You're you're in, retired. You're when I'm you're, retired. You're yeah. Not, well, you're not working. So people so often associate work with you know a, a nine to five kind of job, and so how does how does uh, the Benedictine life talk about work? From your perspective, that's, and how are you baking that into your rule? You that's know? a good question. Um, when I go to the monastery on mm-hmm. retreats, uh, where I'm really fully experiencing the Benedictine life, mm-hmm. I always make an effort to do something there. I've worked in the kitchen a lot. I've washed yeah. a lot of dishes. Right. You know, do that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So that kind of work is easy. Um, it's easy to latch on to something like volunteer work. Yeah. But I think more than that, it's more than the actual chores, it's the attitude. Yeah. That, you know, if I'm working around the house, to try to be mindful, um, mm-hmm. not just to look at something as a yucky chore to do, but just be mindful that, right. you, know, you know, this is part of this this promise I've, I've made. Right. Um, yeah. 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 So... Without belaboring it any more than that, I'll go <laughs> yeah, to sure. number 10. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and number 10, uh, the value I chose was humility. And um, there I have had a lifelong pattern of worrying about what other people think of me. Mm. Um, just, yeah, very much an other-directed person. And it's not anything I'm proud of. It's something I've always tried to get past. Yeah. I don't want to blow off other people's opinions, but right. not to make that central. Yeah. 
um, to more listen listen to the I, I wrote down here listen to the spirit of the divine yeah to um, mm-hmm. yeah gauge humility that yep. way so that is a really brief synopsis of my yeah my rules based on the rule of Benedict it just like I said it's a goal it's it's right. not I'm not going to flunk on the days I fail yeah but it's a goal um, the way it's structured at my monastery. I love to claim it as my monastery, but it's constantly open to revision. Mm-hmm. You realize there's something else you really need to incorporate in there. Incorporate it. You realize right. there's something that's not working. Yeah. Take it out. Right. Yep. And we renew this promise annually every year in April. Okay. We have a special ceremony sure. where so it's... everyone renews their promise. Yeah. And I don't remember the current number of oblates at Holy Wisdom, but I think it's. Oh, somewhere between 150 and 200 people. So it's pretty large. It's a pretty large community, and that will be a big retreat weekend because many people make the effort to come back to to renew that promise. Always in April. Yeah. Well, um, well, this has been quite an opportunity for you. Um, Can you maybe speak just a little bit about how it's changed? Uh, the way that you nurture and um, cultivate your own spiritual life, how has that how has that changed for you over this process? Kind of a a before and after, and if there's nothing you know significant or um, or something that you would see yeah. as significant, I guess. But uh, I think everything's significant. But well, I think yeah. on a very nuts and bolts level, as mm-hmm. far as nurturing my own spiritual life, or these uh, three to four retreats a year. Yeah. Up at the monastery because it yeah. does. You know what I meant? But, to, I meant to ask you this earlier on when you mentioned that some folks might not be aware of what a retreat like that would would entail. Um, what what kinds of things do you do, uh, or okay. or what kinds? Of, what is the experience like? I, you know, recognizing that each one is probably different and yeah. has its own kind of rhythm to it. But if you were to speak about it generally, is there? Is there something you could say? Yeah, but I'm going to backtrack first. Sure. Because for the, a person who is just curious, interested, mm-hmm. the first step are personal retreats where you, you go up there and for however many days you're there, you absolutely do your own thing. Yeah. You take walks in the woods. You read books from the mm-hmm. library. They have some great books in their library. Yeah. Take naps. Do whatever. Right. Pray. Um, pray with the sisters. Go to the... the Liturgy of the Hours, participate mm-hmm. in centering prayer, uh, eat wonderful meals. They have a great chef. Yeah. yeah. Um, but to make that more remote, when I come home to Bloomington, Illinois, um, changes how this has changed. Part of it is having this rule in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll think of something or something crosses my mind, and I think, oh, I, I need to do this a little differently. You know, just than I might have otherwise. Yeah. And what's popping to mind right now is because I'm doing it this afternoon. Uh, one of my my volunteer things is with McLean County Nursing Home. Mm. That periodically I'll get a call to go with one of the residents to a medical appointment. Those who don't have a family member to go with them. Yeah. And so I got called to do that this afternoon. And so often I'll get this call. And I, think, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Well, I look at the calendar. There's no reason I can't. I really can. Mm-hmm. And so there, too, we're going into this 
radical hospitality thing. Right. And my goodness, when you're talking about people who are the least of these or some of these very elderly, infirm people. Right. And so, of course, I can do that. Yeah. So it changes that way. Right. Um, as far as devotional life, self-discipline has never been a strong point for me. <laughs> it just isn't. Yeah. But I work very hard to spend some time each day um, studying a little of the rule of Benedict mm-hmm. and uh, praying a psalm or reading a psalm in a prayerful manner uh-huh. and always include uh, the version of the Lord's Prayer that yeah. they they use in the liturgy of the yeah. hours, which is a little bit different than the or way just, we normally say it. Sure, it's on a little Sunday translation morning. difference. And, and yeah. so that keeps me mm-hmm. somewhat, I feel like I'm somewhat related to these people I love up right. at the monastery. You know that they're doing this activity yeah. and you're doing it with them, even though you're exactly. separated by, by space. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I think trying to, I, I find that if I set a time that I know I'm going to do this, I'm mm-hmm. much more likely to follow through than, oh, sometime today I'm going to right. do this. And so yeah. so I'm working on that. That's cool. It's getting better. Yeah. Good. <laughs> it's getting yeah. better. Um, when, um, well, you've mentioned some of these along the way here, but uh, for people who are, are maybe interested in this, who have, mm-hmm. you know, they're... They're not familiar with it at all, but something that you've said has kind of piqued their curiosity a little bit. Uh, what, what, what things would you point them to? Is are there are there kind of um, entry points into this that that you experienced or that you've seen other people experience that have been really healthy and um, um, go on a personal retreat at a monastery? Yeah, and I think this probably different in, in different places. Yeah. Um, the drive to Madison is not bad at all, about three and a half hours if no, you don't stop. That's true. We just so, rolled through there. <laughs> I yeah. know that. Did you know? Yeah, okay. yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, reserve time, go on a mm-hmm. personal retreat, experience some fellowship with the sisters over meals. Mm-hmm. I mean, meals are a big part of the community yeah. um, process. Uh, just read some books from the library. Um, just participate in the ambiance of the thing. So yeah. that's that's one. Uh, the other I mentioned books mm-hmm. and a few I'll recommend. Mm-hmm. And Please do, yeah. Yeah, the two that were required reading uh, during our formation year mm-hmm. as an oblate were both by Joan Chittister, who I said is very well known and very mm-hmm. prolific. The first one is called Wisdom Distilled from the Daily, mm-hmm. and the other is The Rule of Benedict. And in that one, she breaks down the rule of Benedict into daily segments, and then she has a reflection on it Uh that really puts it in today's context, and it's structured on a three times a year cycle. So if you do it on a daily basis, you're studying this three times a year, and eventually the idea is to internalize it, working at it. Yeah. one of the sisters who was in her mid eighties said, uh-huh. "You never get there. Yeah. It's just always a work in progress." Yeah, which is great. And you know, yeah. she entered that monastery as a young woman out of high school, and yeah, and, so and there that's, she is, yeah. that makes me feel better. Yes. <laughs> two others that that I have encountered, two other books mm-hmm. um, that I just thought were really good. Every time I go up, I bring a book home from the Oblate Library and yeah. try to spend a little time with it. Yeah. One is called "Living with Contradiction." And it's by a lady named Esther DeWall, D-E-W-A-A-L. Yeah, I love her work. Yeah, Yeah, and she is um, from the U.K. Yeah. She's Anglican. Yep. 
and an oblet. And mm-hmm. Yeah, so that is a good one. Yeah. And the other one is the one I mentioned a little while ago, Radical Hospitality, mm-hmm. and it is by Lonnie Collins Pratt, P-R-A-T-T, and it's written with a Father Daniel Homan, who is a Benedictine. Yeah. So those would be recommended Great. books. Um, I think I mentioned to you, I think just a fun little thing. Yeah, I was going to say, I was gonna, if you didn't bring it up, I was going to yeah, remind you of it. Yeah, there is an app. Yeah. You know, there's an app for everything. <laughs> just ask Randy and Debbie That's on right. Sunday morning. Always an app for something. But an app called Honor Your Inner Monk. Yeah. And it comes from uh, St. Minred Abbey in southern Indiana. Mm-hmm. And so there is um, a morning and an afternoon prayer yeah. that are provided each day. They're like two-liners. Yeah. So I mean, yep. if you want to just do a little bit, right? Yeah, you, you can, can just do pause that. just for a moment. Uh, yeah, and, and, and most uh, of them really are helpful. excellent. Like yeah. I told you, as yeah. as a non-Catholic, I may not get too turned on by the one about Holy Mary, Mother of sure. God, but yeah. that one doesn't come up too often. No, no. And no. most of them are just excellent. So that's uh, that's the quick and easy fix. Yeah. But to at least right. think about it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sitting down and sharing this today. It's been uh, really, uh, it's been helpful for me, and I know it will for other people as well. And I know you're a little, a little afraid uh, about doing it, but uh, wow, just such great stuff, and I, I really do appreciate it. So you're thank a you. gracious interviewer. Thank so. you very much. Thank you. Yeah.